Good morning. morning. I want to welcome you to Worship St. John's. We begin this morning with a a call that uh, the church has used down through the centuries, and so will you respond? Uh, Christ is risen. risen Let us worship God. pray for those that have no hope, for those who suffer from depression, loneliness, and fear. We pray for those places and peoples in our world where death and domination rule, where imperial powers ignore the poor, where war never ends, where children are hungry, where parents grieve because they cannot provide, where accident happens and death abounds senselessly. We pray for those held hostage to addiction and chronic illness that debilitates. For we are the ones who are called to go into the places in our lives and world to work for justice and life for all in your creation. It is up to us to bear witness to the promises of resurrection to hold those in despair and believe for them that love is stronger than death. O oh God, give us the courage to bear your loving, living love in every corner of our lives so that your peace, peaceable rim will be so here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you, the Holy Spirit, and one God, now and forever as we continue to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, 
and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 20, verse 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had wrapped, been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still laying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she went, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Well, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I am have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them what he had said, to, uh, said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of the, the big um, steps of belief on Easter is, can we possibly believe what, what we're hearing, what the Scripture tells us? I mean, at, at Christmas, my theme was, do we believe what we sing? And at Christmas, the songs are all about the, the birth of Christ. On this day, the songs are all about the resurrection of Christ. And so we, we kind of start there. Do you believe what we sing? And you can respond. Help me out, choir. Do you believe what you sing? Yes. Okay. Do you believe what we sing? And we have a whole bunch of people on the camera here. And I would just invite you in this moment, do you believe what we sing? Okay, we heard a little bit of an echo there. You're farther away. I know you're, you're a little further away than those right around me. But um, that is the challenge that's before us as followers of Christ. So, so does resurrection actually happen? 
You know, doctors can bring people back to life now. So is it such a huge leap for us to imagine that God did it 2,000 years ago? Sometimes the miracles of Scripture become a stumbling block in our modern minds and, and we try to wrap our heads around, well, how did that happen? The doctors, the staff in the ER, those who respond in a crisis could give you the steps of what's happening and how it happens. The challenge that, that faced the early disciples is still our challenge. Mary went to the tomb and and, and where is Jesus? The, the angel said, he's risen. The, the disciples got to the tomb, and, and it was empty, and they're just kind of scratching their heads, you know, where's Jesus? And, and the angel says again, he's risen. And, and they left still feeling like their greatest hope is gone. They, they just couldn't accept it. And people didn't die and come back to life back then any more than they do now. It was a huge stumbling block back then. And so the Easter challenge is before you. Will we choose to believe in the risen Christ? Will we commit to be followers with our whole heart? Easter is a response to one of our greatest fears. In our response this morning, you said, we believe God has triumphed over the grave. So does that help us in the very real struggle that comes at the end of our journey? Does this belief help us in any way to face down that fear? We, we've been on a pretty steady diet of, of you know, the, the COVID count almost daily for a year, and, and it, it does cause fear. Is this the end of me? It's not just that. We've had a, a number of, of mass shootings in the last three weeks, and, and that just pulses through the whole country. Oh no, not again. How can this happen? How can this happen to our neighbors? And in the Bible, you know, neighbor is anyone in need. How can this happen to our neighbors in Atlanta, in Colorado, and in other places since? It's not just in our country. On Palm Sunday in Indonesia, there was a, a Catholic cathedral that was full of worshipers, and there were two suicide bombers that stepped up to the church and, and, and exploded, causing much death in Indonesia. In Nigeria, there's a large number of Methodist churches uh, are, are plentiful in that country, and yet there is a, a contest between the north and the south. There's a civil war in Nigeria, and in the middle where the, the Muslims and the Christians kind of overlap, there is an ongoing series of attacks every Christian holiday. Every Christmas Eve, as worshipers gather, there is a church that, that is caught on fire. Every Easter, there are churches that are attacked. It's hard in many places all around the world. It's not just the, the fun, we get to sing the songs and we get to see one another and, and we gather to celebrate the risen Christ. In, in some places, our brothers and sisters uh, have much to think about, much to consider as they enter a, a church or a cathedral or a place of worship on a holy day. And if you think about the bigger picture, the whole world, there were 153,000 people that died yesterday. 
just around the world, and that's every day. That is the normal pattern. 56 million people died last year, and that's the normal number of people that finished their earthly existence. What we see in the news, though, comes from a secular worldview that has some assumptions, and and the assumption is pretty strong that this is all that there is. This life is all that you have. This time is it. And if that's true, the fear is very real. And COVID, when it struck a year ago, just the mystery of how some people die and some people barely get sick, that mysterious element of this plague, this pandemic, caused everybody to panic, to fear. Because of that underlying assumption, and the reporting mostly came from the worldview that says, this is it. And, and what we have is, is being taken from us at random, it seems. And we have no control over when that might come. To the secular mind, that's very depressing. That makes death something to avoid at all costs. I came across a story a while back of, of five billionaires that are trying to beat death. And this is the secular mindset. This is from the secular view. And in a moment, I'm going to contrast and invite you, as people of faith, what might be our perspective on this issue. These five um, are, are coming to this topic saying, you know, we, we still don't seem to be able to stop the coming of death, but we're going to try. First, there was a, a billionaire, Peter Thiel, who invested heavily in organizations like the SENS Foundation, which is devoted to developing rejuvenation biotechnology. Nothing's quite panned out yet. The second is Andrew, or, or William Andreg, founder of Silicon Valley Nanotechnology, a startup called Halicon Molecular. His claim, someday I'm going to beat death and I'm going to live for a million years. Halicon Molecular quietly went out of business about five years ago. There's a Russian uh, transhumanist multimillionaire, Dmitry Izabakov, who've launched a, an initiative that, that he's named 2045 Initiative. The year is 2045, and his promise is that by 2045, we will be immortal, just as soon as we can kind of make this leap into artificial machine bodies. See a lot of that in the movies. They're trying. I grew up with the $6 million man. Uh, most of those artificial machine bodies in the movies seem to run in the, the billions, it would seem, if it wasn't fiction. The billionaire who brings the most fiery passion to this cause by far is Larry Ellingson. He's given out more than $40 million to the Ellingson Medical Foundation to help understand the lifespan development processes According to Forbes magazine, Ellison's net worth is about $43 billion. Recently, he said, death makes me very angry. It just has never made sense to me. Why is it that uh, we, we are in this life, and, and at some point when we die, we're just going to disappear, and then we're not? Is that really all there is to life? And he's vowed to fight death with every dollar he has. This fight is not limited to just wealthy individuals. Google recently got into the the fight, promising we're going to find a cure for death. The longest that anybody has ever lived is 122 years, according to the Guinness World Book of Records. 
In September 13, 2013, the, the cover of Time magazine announced that Google and its CEO, Larry Page, are funding a company that will try to extend the human lifespan and solve the issues of aging. And the, and the cover page had a giant question, this phrase on that issue said, can Google solve death? You know, like Google has solved so many of our, our life struggles, hasn't it? Made it so easy for us to access everything that we could possibly want. And so they're, they're holding out there, we're going to solve this one. So this death-curing company, Time referred to as Calico, According to a press release on the same time as this article, Calico will focus on health and well-being, in particular those challenges that come with aging. And the CEO and, and investor, he has given a, a, a new amount of money to making this come true. And yet nobody has quite figured it out yet. A lot of people are spending a lot of money to try to beat death, and, and, and we, we joke at times about, you know, what are the two things you just have to do? You have to die and tax day's coming. We, we don't ever try to get out of that legally. But, um, but death is just that mysterious moment. How do we navigate that? How do we, how do we understand that? How do we comprehend that? And, and without Christ, it, it's kind of scary. It is kind of a daunting thing, and yet it comes to people right beside us, all around us, in our families, our, our friend group. It will come. And as a follower of Christ, I think we have something to draw upon, something that we can stand upon, and the Easter story is that foundation. And, and as people of faith, I would invite you to, to think about the, just that fear of death it's still a fear. I, I talk to, to people all the time that are very solid in Christ, and, and, and it's real. You know, it, it hurts. There's a struggle. We don't always know when it's coming. Sometimes it's sudden, and sometimes it's prolonged, and, and we see it, and, and it's hard. I don't minimize that. But one thing we don't have to fear is what happens after the point of death. By faith, we have a different set of assumptions. This life is not all that there is. Jesus holds out before, the, before us the promise that there is something more, that the, the last thing that happens to us is not the worst thing called death. It's God's welcome home. It's God's place that's been prepared for us. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but we do know the one who holds all our tomorrows. We, we don't know when the end will come, but we do know who will meet us at that door. So when it comes to the cross, as we think about the, the path that Jesus trod this week, that we recall the events of the last week of Jesus' life, Jesus was in agony as he saw the cross coming, but he saw it, he named it. He told his disciples, I will die, I will suffer, I'll be crucified, and then I'll rise again. He, he kept saying that, but they had no categories for what, what does that mean? You know, they, they kind of got stuck with, I'm going to die. And, and Peter, you know, would talk Jesus down and say, Jesus, don't say that. That's a lack of faith. I could see Peter saying that, right? And, and Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, you, you don't speak for God. And Peter's like, 
but we're trying to be positive, Lord. Jesus saw death coming. He saw the cross coming. And he also saw what God was going to do three days later. And the Apostle Paul uh, holds it out before us in 1 Corinthians 15. A very victorious segment of Scripture says, For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, and the saying what was written in the Old Testament, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? God has won. He goes on to say, therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. This is the foundation upon which we can test out our, our wonderings. We can, we can ask the questions, but there is a foundation upon which we can have confidence that we don't believe in vain. The story of Easter allows that death will come, but it's not the end of us. It's not the end of you. It's not the end of me. Jesus died. Jesus was buried, and Jesus was resurrected, and, and Jesus will come again. That's a part of the, the communion liturgy that, that we'll end with in a moment. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. The, the Roman soldiers made sure he was dead. That was their job. They, they were very skilled at uh, bringing death, making sure someone was all the way dead. Jesus was resurrected, and, and it would have been pretty simple to prove that claim wrong. Just find the body and expose it in the public square, but nobody ever came forward. No body was ever found. The empty tomb was the greatest witness to the truth of the resurrection. Anybody could go to the cemetery. Anybody could look in the, the open tomb and say, yep, it's, it's empty. The angel that, that greeted Mary, on that first Easter morning, said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for the crucified Jesus, but he's not here. He is risen. Again, they didn't have any categories to understand, to comprehend. Peter and John arrive as well and, and, and also find it empty, and they, they went away just like, how can this be? There may be some listening, some here today, that are, that are just thinking, how can this be? That is the question, right? I'm not sure Jesus could be resurrected. I'm not sure anybody could come back from the grave. How could that happen? And it wasn't any easier to comprehend 2,000 years ago than it is today. Do you ever watch crime dramas on TV? And there's that emergency room setting and uh, somebody's uh, heart flatlines, what do they do? They, they jump into motion and there's an AED. They pull it out. Can, here's your quiz question of the day. What does AED stand for? Anybody? Anybody? Medical? AED. You know. Here it is. We have one. We have one out here in the hallway. So I know we have one. It says, all it says is AED on it. Automated external defibrillator. You, you probably don't need to know that to be able to be saved by that. But when your heart stops and, and, and that technology is available, they, they use it to shock you back into rhythm. Do you have to believe that it works for you to benefit by it? No. You don't even have to know it's happening. You don't actually know it's happening. It would be really painful if you knew it was happening. 
we believe in an AED, that technology wasn't always available, but humankind has figured out how to, to rescue you from that moment of death, to turn it back, to bring you back. God did that 2,000 years ago without any machines. Granted, it was a three-day pause, not a three-minute pause. But if we think about some of our objections, uh, God does things and, and seems like eventually we, we figure it out and we copy. Resuscitation back to life is, is common these days. There was a time when, when we called that a miracle, but if it happens to you and your family, it is a miracle and it is a gift and God has enabled somebody somewhere to put the pieces together and to, to figure out the technology and to offer that in the moment of need. Jesus was unique. Though those family members that come back to life still have to go through death. But Jesus didn't. Jesus had a different body, a resurrected body, a real body. And when he came back from the grave, he did not have to go to that experience again. There are many competing worldviews today, and even those who rail against the hope of Easter, even those uh, who, who would put down and mock your beliefs, still have to answer to God. And God gives us courage to stand. One of the most powerful men in the world at the beginning of the 19th century was Nikolai Ivanovich Bukharin, a Russian communist leader. He took part in the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917, and in 1930, he set up a moment where he addressed thousands of assembly line workers in Kiev on the subject of atheism, and his goal was to stomp the Christian faith down into the dust. He aimed his heavy artillery of arguments against Christianity, hurling insults and, and proof, and he went on and on and on for an hour, just crucifying those who would believe in this uh, wishy-washy faith, this thing called faith. And when he was done, he looked out over the, the, the crowd that had been gathered that was forced to listen to his rant and his rave, and, and he perceived that there were just the smoldering ashes of Christianity among the men ahead of him. And there was silence. There was kind of a, a, a tense moment of, what are we going to do? And he finally demanded, are there any questions? And one man, after a, a quite a big pause, one man approached the platform and he walked up beside the communist leader. And as he looked out across the group, he, he kind of surveyed them just across the stadium. And then in the ancient greeting of the church, he said, Christ is risen and all of those present stood to their feet and responded, Christ is risen indeed. And the leader who had tried to stomp out the Christian faith was just mystified. How could this be? And yet I would invite you as we end today to respond in that same way. Christ is risen. That is the call of the church. That is where we stand. And that is the perspective from which we wrestle with real problems in this life. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we, we do come from a variety of directions on this day. Some of us come from a deep faith. Some of us come with, with big questions. We've been hurt. 
in this life. And, and it's hard to, to open ourselves to God when, when we were hoping that, God, you would protect from that hurt. Sometimes there's suffering. Sometimes there's struggle. And sometimes we just have lots of questions. Love us. Come close to us. And give us your, your presence and your peace in the midst of this Easter season. Easter is not just today. It's a season that follows. And Lord, give us the courage to, to step out and, and to stand for you, no matter what obstacles would greet us tomorrow. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.